welcome to Monologues by Hassie, where I'm going to be dropping unsolicited brain dumps from the depths of my grey matter. I'll talk about life, money, society, and self-development, plus whatever else lies up there, whilst hopefully not getting cancelled in the process. The title of this particular episode sounds rather deterministic. How I ended up as a software engineer after spending over nine years trying to do something else. The reason I'm doing this particular podcast is I've been a software engineer for formerly for more than a year now. I was a data analyst or a data engineer for a year before that. And one and a half years before that, I started my first graduate job as a process automation analyst and you know I was using a no-code tool so for the last three and a half years I ended up in this trajectory of being in the world of technology and my technology career has become more and more specialized as the years have gone by and I thought it was a great time to reflect on how I actually ended up here and that's not necessarily a function of fate there was a lot of me actually deciding what to do but it wasn't a linear path and it wasn't straightforward so I'm going to rewind this to all the way back to 2010 when I would have been 15 or 16 and this is when you start thinking about what subjects you want to do in year 11 and 12 and I went to a selective high school so in Sydney and New South Wales state I live in you need to pass an entrance exam to get into these schools so it was a good school but within that school I wasn't a particularly good student for the first four years so from year 7 to year 10 I kind of just cruised enjoyed hanging around with my friends uh, I'd be getting kind of 50 60 70 percent in like math tests I wasn't particularly good wasn't a special student um, I really just existed right I didn't put much effort in and then in year 10 I started getting good at maths I got some extra tutoring from my mum who was a maths teacher because her being a math teacher of course you can't have a son who's not good at math so we kind of really crammed the curriculum and she wanted to get me ready for the HSC and that is the high school certificate and that's kind of the entrance exam that you kind of need to sit to get into university so in year 10 I started performing very good at math and that was kind of my gateway drug into doing better at many other subjects, at primarily in the STEM, the STEM region. And because I realized that I could get good at something if I studied for it. And I became self-driven once I got to year 11 and 12. And in year 11 and 12, I had a particular affinity for high school chemistry. And I really loved chemistry as a subject. It was, you know, I found it very exciting, very interesting. I realized that many people didn't actually care that much about the subject, like a lot of people in high school. And it's probably a good thing in hindsight. Did the subject, they, it was an end to, to a mean. They were studying chemistry, physics, maths, English, economics, not because they inherently wanted those careers, but because they had to pass those subjects and get good marks to get into whatever profession they wanted to do. But I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do and I happened to really enjoy chemistry and I remember that teachers would lay out equipment and uh, chemicals and you know so I could do my own little experiments at lunchtime like I was that into chemistry that I actually really enjoyed the subject itself and I had no I didn't have very much direction of what I wanted to do so when I left high school in 2012 I you know, in 2013, I started a degree and I was studying an engineering degree in industrial chemistry, which is chemical engineering almost. And I did a science degree majoring in chemistry and pharmacology. So you're probably already getting the point that uh, I went from enjoying chemistry in high school to almost deciding that oh, I really like this. I'm going to extrapolate this subject that I'm learning in a high school, this core subject, and I'm going to make that my career. 
So I studied this kind of concentration and three very different disciplines in their own rights, but they were all very closely related together. It's not like I was studying law and mathematics or commerce and computer science. I was studying three physical sciences and forms of engineering, which whilst very different were related. They were on the same side of the academic fence. It was a very niche combination of subjects to do. And it took a long time to do. It was a double degree with a triple major. So it took me five and a half years was how much I spent to do the degree, but I was somebody who took a lot of work internships. So I did take one year to work full time for the Department of Defense. So by the time I graduated, Graduated, it was kind of six and a half to seven years. So starting in 2013, I finished my triple major in industrial chemistry, chemical engineering, chemistry, and pharmacology. I finished that in 2019, right? Seven years after I started university and nine years after I started enjoying high school in, uh, sorry, chemistry in high school was when I finally left university. So it was an incredibly long journey. And you can imagine all my friends had already graduated at this point and been in jobs and making money and everything. And I was a fresh graduate at about 25 years old uh, and looking for my first full-time positions. And I really wanted to work in the pharmaceutical industry. Of course, you can guess why, because I had a lot of skill sets that in my head said, I would really love to have a career in pharmaceutical manufacturing. I have context of pharmacology, the products we're making. I understand chemistry, so the testing that's gonna be done, but I wanna be a manufacturing engineer, a process engineer in the pharmaceutical industry. And I think that extra context is going to help me and make me a better engineer. And that was my mindset. And I went to Canada, Canada to try and pursue some pharmaceutical opportunities and that didn't actually work out. So. It didn't work out and there were many reasons behind that. I think being a new graduate in a new country, my university wasn't recognized in Canada and I eventually ended up applying to graduate jobs back in Australia. So I was kind of dejected, it didn't really work out. And I was applying to graduate jobs and I remember for me, one of the big important things for me in 2019 was I need to get a chemical engineering job just to prove I can get a chemical engineering job. And there was a very good reason for this. I think there were like 400 people in my cohort, in my class who did uh, chemical engineering and industrial chemistry. And out of these people, uh, only a very small minority actually go to work in the field because there is crazy graduate oversupply in certain disciplines. So for me, it was a point of pride to say that I can actually get a chemical engineering job, but not just any chemical engineering job, but a proper one, a good one. And I chose not to do it. So I remember I got an interview at a waste oil refinery in Gladstone, Queensland. And that is about, I think a two and a half or a three hour flight from where I live. You have to take one flight to Brisbane from Sydney. And I had to take another flight to Gladstone, which is this kind of industrial town in the middle of the, the kind of in the middle of Queensland. And this particular, I remember being at this job and they were grilling me, asking me all these concepts, showing me around the plant and they'd obviously paid for my flights to be out there. So, you know, they, they paid for us to interview. So you can kind of get a gist of how the profession works. And, you know, I ended up getting that offer and they sent the salary back. And at that same time, I had a few other offers. And I remember that at that time I was actually contracting. So I'd come back from Canada and I got a contract job uh, working for a company that I used to intern with in university and I was making great rates, basically doing project management for them. And you know, I was making $60 an hour, so pro rata like $110,000, uh, straight out of university, obviously not in something I was super passionate about, but I was, you know, making good money. And I saw this graduate job offer come back, come back and it, it just, 
it didn't pay that great. I think it was like $70,000 and maybe there was a bonus tied to production KPIs. And I said, hmm, that's not that great. There were a few other things, they threw in accommodation, but I would have had to live in this kind of dusty, dry industrial town where there was only one pub. There wasn't much to do. And if you wanted to go to the nearest town, I think it was like Rockhampton and it was like 150 kilometers away. So it was a decent drive if you kind of wanted to go anywhere. And it just wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. And I was already a bit dejected because even though it was a chemical engineering job, uh, refining waste oil, it wasn't what I specifically wanted to do. I wanted to work in the pharmaceutical industry and that dream had kind of not really panned out. And I you know, wasn't really happy. And I remember I got an offer from the New South Wales government and I called them because I didn't, I applied to something called the technology stream. There wasn't actually a technology stream. It was a marketing funnel. And you know, it's just called the technology stream. It says, hey, if you wanna kind of have a tech job, apply here. It was just a funnel to their regular graduate program, but it ended, did end up actually placing me with a, a team who did work in technology. So they worked in something called robotic process automation. So they used a low code tool to observe the processes that workers did in the government, like filling out forms in some sort of web portal, and they would automate those processes. So they, you know, uh, we'd document the actions and we'd build out flowcharts and a robot would fundamentally go through and enter data in and click something and make those systems work. So we were making government more efficient. And I remember I, I spoke to the coordinator of that graduate program and I said, hey, I don't, I know this is unorthodox and we don't normally find out what we're doing until we actually begin the job, but can I potentially speak to the manager? And I spoke to my manager and he told me about all these things that they were gonna be doing. And when I was looking at my options, you know, going and refining waste oil, which would have, would have been a great job, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And, or, or being in a city, being staying in Sydney and making more money, it was like an 80,000 or 82,000 package that they were offering at the government. I could make more money and work on this really cool new thing. I said, go do the new thing. And I remember the woman I was working for at the company I was contracting at, obviously they knew that I was doing a short-term contract for, for them. So they were, you know, they, they knew I was going to leave it eventually once that project concluded and start a new job. And she said, are you sure you wanna give up all these years of education you've done in trying to become a chemical engineer, a chemical process engineer, and give up that job offer you got and go work for the New South Wales government? Is that what you wanna do? And I, I could see where she was coming from as a point of concern that I'd invested so much time and effort into studying these kind of really three kind of core STEM niche areas. Why would I go and go work for the government? Because there's a lot of kind of preconceived notions about working for the government and not all of those are wrong. But naturally she's like, you know, are you gonna be derailing your career doing this? And I said, you know what? I, I think I really wanna do it because it, it just sounds fun and interesting. And I think I, you know, wanna move my career in that direction. And there was a good reason that at that particular point in kind of 2019, 2020, at the kind of cusp of the new year that I was really reconsidering my career. When I, at that point, when I was reflecting over the experiences I, I'd had in the job market and trying to apply for chemical engineering jobs and get into the pharmaceutical industry, what I realized is that the combination of degrees that I'd done and the skills that I was building would have been incredibly valuable a hundred years ago in the early 1900s. And the reason I say that is because a hundred years ago, a larger part of, we, we would have been, you know, well into the industrial revolution, you know, manufacturing would have been increasing and the skills of a chemist, of an engineer, of somebody who understood drugs, a hundred years ago, that would have been incredibly valuable. That's not saying it isn't valuable today, but it would have been monetarily rewarding from the perspective of being an employee because those skill sets formed a larger part of the, you know, the share of production in the economy, right? 
The digital world didn't exist then. We were producing physical products and that's what was going out. So manufacturing would have been a huge portion of the economy and I would have been able to have a great career a hundred years ago with those same skill sets. But now I was disgruntled. I was angry about the graduate oversupply, the offer I got back, that it just wasn't a very rewarding career. I looked, I projected from that point and I said, if I went into chemical engineering, would I actually be happy with my life? And the answer was probably not. I said, okay, go get into tech. This is gonna give you the opportunity to do that. It's something that's more relevant. So I went and worked with a tool called Blue Prism for six months and some of the best six months of my life. I think I really enjoyed working with that team. I learned a lot of skills. And even though I wasn't coding, we still had to use a lot of kind of programming techniques like loops and things like that. I, I had some programming experiences in university as well. My thesis was all programming. I made sure I avoided the lab because I saw the challenges that other students were ha having, especially at the honors level, trying to get access to equipment. So I said, you know, I just wanna do a solo project. I wanna be doing modeling simulations. I use something called MATLAB. So I was definitely starting to in 2019, I was starting to explore programming more and just enjoy that. And so a technology career seemed like the right place to do. And for the next, after that six months, my graduate program at the government lasted a year and a half. The rotations I had after that weren't inherently technical themselves. They were kind of policy roles in the insurance space and in homeless strategy, oddly enough. But I was utilizing a lot of skills in data and analytics to present kind of dashboards to management and cleaning data sets and creating tools that would help them speed up. You know, if the minister needed some analysis really quickly, um, I had a model that could do that. And I was really enjoying these things and I knew I wanted to get out of government. So I picked up a diploma in 2021. I picked up a diploma in database development and design. I've had an episode on this before, but I really wanted to get more into the world of technology because I was enjoying it and it was fun. It was interesting, I was solving problems and you know, I was going to night school and I remember my girlfriend at the time did not like that I was going to night school. She was like, why are you stressing yourself out? You're doing this job, you're going to night school, you're studying on the weekends. She didn't like it, but I said, look, I just really want to do this. And about halfway into that diploma and before I finished that graduate program, you know, a couple of months before, I was already interviewing with companies looking for data analytics and data engineering jobs. And I got a job at a data analyst, at, as a data analyst at the startup I'm at. Now, and it wasn't actually a data analyst role. I think that's what I thought I was getting hired for, but it ended up being data engineering or ETL, which is extract, transform, load. And basically, if I was gonna describe that really simply, it's the garbage collection and processing of the data world. There is so much valuable data out there, but a lot of it is not in a format that is fit for purpose. And the company I work for, we've got a specific product and we process payroll data and HR data. And there are these big companies that have all these challenges with the way that they've set up their data. And you know, maybe they've bought a few companies and bought a few different entities and they've got different systems and their data is like a patchwork of many different things. And it was my job to create tools in Python to help process that data so that our software platform could then go and ingest that, you know, that data, because that's where all the information was to deliver our particular product. And that was a really interesting job. Like I really enjoyed what I was doing, but it wasn't necessarily easy. There was a very high workload. I remember in the early days, there was only three of us in the data team and I wasn't particularly getting on with the guy who was managing me. And it was one of these things where when I looked at the data team, the fact that I'd come into the world of data after studying all these different things and non kind of computer science, non data analytics subjects in university, I'd gone from studying these kind of hard sciences to transitioning into a career in tech. 
And I noticed that a lot of the people I was working with were very similar. They'd come from other backgrounds. They'd kind of learned the technology themselves. No one was formally trained in any form of tech. And that's not inherently a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. You get a lot of creativity when it happens. But for me, I was yearning for more structure. And, you know, I was having challenges with this manager and with the way I saw that we were working on projects and I was overworked and unhappy with the things you know, I was already regretting my choice to join a startup because I had the, the option to join a bank. I got an offer from the Commonwealth Bank of Australia and um, I said, oh, why didn't I take that, that safe banking job, right? I, I would have been um, making more money. I would have got a bonus and there would have been more structure. I would have been part of a bigger team. And I was honestly thinking about quitting my job about four months in. And that's not because I wasn't thriving in that skill set. I worked myself into a position where I was creating the ETL tool for, I guess, the biggest client at that time and it was a lot of work. And I felt definitely very like I was stressed from many different um, angles. I think there was a lot of pressure on me from to deliver for the business, to improve the solution um, from that manager, you know, from that particular manager and they eventually left the business. I leveraged that situation. The business knew I was unhappy. They knew that I was thinking about potentially leaving. And I said, I wanna join the software engineering team because I saw a pain point and the pain point for the business was they couldn't afford to lose people at this critical time because they still needed to uh, deliver their service. They were fundraising at the time and the worst thing you want is to not be able to deliver data to your solution. So your solution can de deliver the product to the customers because that's what the investors are looking at. And I leveraged that situation because I, I definitely saw a pain point. I said, look, I'll do this for now. I'll keep this part of the business up and running, but I want to get out of this team and I want to join the software team. And the reason I wanted to join the software team was I remember in those early days, uh, we'd all have a repo where we'd push commits. For those of you who aren't from a software engineer or computer science world, basically we all write code and then we push it to the same repository. There's a collection of code, like a bucket of code, and this is where the solutions that we create live. And I was looking at the commits that the software engineers were doing and they were reviewing them, they were providing feedback. So everyone was kind of looking at each other's work and figuring out how to improve things. The body of knowledge in the software team was absolutely crazy. You know, everyone either had degrees or 10 to 20 years of experience. So they were a very experienced team. They had uh, continuous integration, continuous development, which I won't go into, but it's basically checks and balances when they push code into this bucket. So they were making sure it doesn't break the solution there. And I said, wow, these are really good systems. And I started implementing a little bit of that in the data team, but obviously, you know, I was very burnt out. I was trying to do too many things. And I said, wow, that like the software engineering team looks so cool. I would love to be there because I think I will learn even more. I would benefit from the structures they have. I would benefit from the experience they have. And I think I can do it. And at this time, you know, I'd been working for a year in Python and they eventually transitioned me to the software engineering team. So it took a while because I had to get these projects off, off my plate. You know, these projects that the company needed me to do. But my kind of bargain for putting up with that for a year was I got to join the software team. And I remember I was absolutely shitting myself. Now this is in 2022, so last year, kind of mid last year. And I was at a point where I, you know, I was very nervous. I remember a month or two before I transitioned, I was trying to learn as much C Sharp and .NET. That's the primary backend framework that our team uses. Yeah, I was absolutely shitting myself because I didn't, wasn't sure that I was gonna be competent enough in this role and that I was gonna be working with people who had you know, 10 to 20 years more experience than I did. And it was a very nerve wracking thing. You know, that change happened. So I leveraged that situation of having, uh, being in a business that was struggling and they had a pain point and I made a bargain with the business to transition into a software career. 
Even whilst I was in the data team and I was doing ETL, data engineering work, one thing I did, I was continually building on my skills and I'd do that outside of work, after work, on the weekends. And then at work, I'd try to implement the best practices. So I didn't just try to do my job, I tried to make it a little bit better every week. And I did this for two reasons, partially because I enjoyed learning how to do something better, because I realized when I first started coding in Python, I didn't really have structure. I was just, it was, here's an input, we're producing the output. But I wasn't doing that in a way that was scalable or modular, and it was very hard to maintain down the track. So these were things I wanted to improve. I also realized that a big part of coding is not working individually. You need to have code that other people can work on. So you need to make your code uh, you need to think about the people who are going to work on your code base after you do. And for me, it was, okay, I'm going to be leaving this team. How can I leave this particular code base that I'm working on in a better state than it was when I started? And how can I make their lives easier? So that was a big motivation as well. So I was learning something and I was making something better for the future, which would help me in my current job. Because if I made the solution better, I would be able to transition to, be to being a software engineer faster because somebody else would be able to pick up the work I was doing uh, at a fraction of the effort that I had to put into, into picking that up. So those were my motivations. I was continually improving that solution, looking at what the software engineers were doing. And even though they were working in a different language and a different framework, I was trying to implement their best practices in my Python code. Now I've been a software engineer formally for over a year. I really enjoy the opportunity. Like it's not that it's a straightforward and simple job. It is, it has many challenges and all jobs will have challenges and it's not a walk in the, a walk in the park, but I get to push the boundaries of my knowledge on a daily and weekly basis, which can be draining. Um, you definitely feel like there are points where you're approaching burnout. So I, I do think that needs to be managed, but I'm learning an incredible amount. I'm working with some great people. We're solving very interesting problems. And when I look at the skill of software engineering itself, it contrasts to what I was trying to do the decade before that, which was trying to be a process engineer. There's some big differences and big advantages that I personally found in developing this technology career and becoming a software engineer. And the first is, you know, it is something where when I thought about that oil refining job I had, I would have had to work somewhere in Queensland. I would have had to work in this kind of smaller town, not a capital city. And my job would have been fixed to a location. So one of the things about working in tech is that if you've got an internet connection, Theoretically, you can work from anywhere in the world. Now, there are limitations to that. Maybe the data that you're working on can't leave a particular jurisdiction and so on and so forth. But the possibility to work anywhere in the world is available. The next thing I think is even more important. It's if, you know, I, I've, I was even during university, I always thought about starting a business. And if I was starting a business, and I remember I did start a few things in during uni. I think I had a soap making enterprise at one point, me and, uh, me and a friend. We were literally making bars of soap in my garage and trying to sell it and everything. And, you know, it was a soap startup, right? Which is a bit, <laughs> it's a bit funny. But when you think about making something like soap, it's a physical product. We had to make it in small batches. It's very hard to scale. It's very costly. Even the setup required to make a few bars of soap would have cost us a couple of hundred dollars, you know, a hundred, two hundred dollars to get set up and start producing soap. And that was before we even sold anything. And we didn't actually sell anything, but we did make soap. I still have some of that soap completely unused. When I look at the world of software and technology and data engineering and analytics, technically the amount of capital that you need to invest in creating a product is very small. You might just need a laptop computer and an internet connection. And that's enough for you to build an MVP, a prototype. 
and you don't need to buy servers yourself anymore. There are providers like Amazon Web Services where you can hire servers. They will manage servers and you pay them just for the amount you use. So the ability to, the capital requirements for starting a business or building a product or a service in the world of technology, it's very low compared to the physical world. Because all those industries that I was planning on having a career in, if I was working in pharmaceuticals, it would have been very hard for me to manufacture pharmaceuticals on my weekend. The capital requirements, the amount of money that I would have had to invest in machinery and raw materials would have been huge. But that's not the case when it comes to something like software engineering. If you have a computer and an internet connection, you can start something small. And when it comes to scaling that, if you now need to distribute that product or service to many people, the cost of distributing that is also very low. It's, it's almost like you have this kind of infinite ability hypothetically, to distribute your product for very low sums of money. So in terms of starting a business, there is there are great advantages to picking up a technology skill set in the 21st century. So I'm very happy that my career has taken me from chemistry over you know 12 years ago to being a software engineer in 2023, right? So that was over 12 to 13 years ago when I fell in love with the hard science. And today I'm enjoying being a software engineer and making products and making services that solve problems. And these problems can be mundane, but when you solve a mundane problem and give somebody their time back, that is an incredibly rewarding thing. So that's really what I get out of it. So I'm almost happy that I've, I'm glad I've done this reflection and just thought about where my career has taken me. And it hasn't been a linear path. And look, the economy of today, especially for anyone who's kind of starting out their career or just thinking about what they want to do, the economy of today, it's not like our parents' generations where people might have had the same job for their entire career. We are going to be continually retraining. The economic pressures are very different right? So wages, they're not really that useful these days. They don't have the same zing as they used to, right? Even a two income couple will struggle to maybe afford their own homes. It's, uh, there are many challenges in many parts of the world where, you know, having the same career doesn't exactly pan out. It doesn't work out. It's not inherently the strategy you want to take. So I could absolutely be retraining in the next five to 10 years and taking on a completely different career. That is always a possibility that, you know, I, I need to be open to and I need to expect. And I'm glad in a sense that I've had this intense period of retraining, which is actually still happening because that has allowed me to have the confidence that if I need to retrain for something else in the future, I know I can do it because I've done it. You know, I do not have a degree as a software engineer, but I do have a drive and I spend so much time trying to increase my skill set. So I think anybody is listening to this and you're thinking about changing your career to whatever it is, it doesn't need to be in tech. You might be going the opposite direction. People do that all the time. If you have that determination to change and you understand why you want to change, you should 100% be able to do that. So I'm gonna end this episode there and I wish you great success on all your endeavors. You've just made it through another episode of Monologues by Hassie. It brings me great pleasure to know that you made it to the end. To listen to more episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit monologuesbyhassie.com. Thanks for swinging by.